welcome back to another episode of the Scions of the Southland recap show. Once again, I am Akshay Ishwaran. Joining me on a soggy night in Metro Atlanta is Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing just fine, thanks. Long weekend, but uh, you know, we're staying dry, I guess. Uh, speaking of staying dry, I heard you uh, spent a couple of hours in a in a basement during a power outage this this weekend. Uh, yeah, so that was an interesting story. We did get walloped by a giant thunderstorm last night down here. Uh, I'm actually seeing blue sky for the first time in like four days right now uh, out my window. Um, but because I'm a Midwesterner and the word tornado strikes fear into my heart uh, of it coming straight over the plains. And you weak willed soul. I mean, I mean, tornadoes, man, they're 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 up there with, uh, I don't know, corn and and waves on the lake. Those are those are our big weather phenomenons, I guess. Um, yes. Corn. Today I learned yeah, that corn is a weather phenomenon. Interesting. Uh-huh. Continue. Anyways. um, so I went down to the garage, uh, not to be confused with the parking garage, but there's a study space called the garage at the bottom of SQ5. And on my way back up, I got stuck on the elevator between floors 19 and 20. So that was quite the quite the weekend experience. Yeah. I mean, what you said, because I remember we were talking about this and you were like, yeah, I had spent like a couple hours in there just waddling between the two floors and then as soon as the power came on it was all the way down and then we got stuck there yeah um i wouldn't say it was a few hours it was like it was 10 before any of the like you know light circuitry started to pop back up and then i got this like sinking feeling which i assumed was me being anxious because you know that that you you know me that's how i am um claustrophobia etc etc yeah, and, and I knew it was, we were between 19 and 20 because I live on 22, and we had just literally just closed the doors uh, on the previous stop, and uh, I felt it go up a little bit, and then it stopped, and I was like, perfect, we're at my floor, I can finally go and sit in my dark room or something, and the doors open, and I was in the lobby, so it was awesome. just very, very uh, interesting night, but no, we, we survived the hurricane, uh, rather it be last night than Friday. Um, considering you know sports and and whatnot but uh you know we we have a son and now now uh it'll be here i assume through the rest of the week so yeah you know sometimes you you work right into my segues we did have sports on friday night we did uh and thankfully the weather held off just enough so that Georgia Tech and Louisville could face off on Friday night at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Uh, We also had some volleyball uh, earlier in the week, and we'll get to that in a couple minutes. And then uh, also on campus uh, this weekend and going on through this week, um, it's homecoming. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, this week? All right, yeah, with... uh... Homecoming stuff, it's been very interesting, the pandemic. Uh, We actually ran the freshman cake race on Saturday. Um, Since, you know, you can't run a giant group of a 1,000 kids all at once at 6 a.m. What? Um, Yeah, no, it's shocking. That's that's apparently these days. But um, spoiled. 
Yeah, gosh. Uh, <laughs> but no, we we ran the race between you know, like eight o'clock and two p.m. on uh, on Saturday. Sent them in groups of three every thirty seconds. So uh, if you were planning on getting to campus and waking up ridiculously early uh, before the game this coming Saturday, you've already missed that one. But uh, mini five Friday um, again, split up into heats for social distancing. That's on the sack fields. Um, if you're so inclined, you can uh, park your car in the CRC deck and and peer over there. There'll be uh, heats going between like 6 p.m. and 1 a.m. or something like that. So, oof. Uh, and then we filmed the rec parade today, so that'll go out live on Saturday. So even people who aren't in Atlanta, uh, I don't know where you are at, viewers, but uh, feel free to tune in. I'm I'm sure that'll. Uh, That'll be a short and wet and soggy video, but an interesting one nonetheless. Uh, definitely a different experience from what both of us are used to after five-ish homecomings on campus, um, and uh, especially working them um, with with the Ramblin' Rec Club. Uh, I'm sure this year and this year's setup has been uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we all uh, appreciate the hard work that other people who are not me are doing. I'm just I just get to ride their coattails. It's great to be able to do something historic in a time like this and and find some normalcy. You know, the normalcy we get from football, from volleyball and like for me going to go to practice or, or seeing the wreck out and about like it, it's, it's little things like that that like as a freshman made me feel like part of a community and I don't know. It, it's it's weird having seen like what the world looked like in March and, and stuff like that. And I don't know things. People, we're, we're we're figuring out how we can kind of keep stuff around, bring stuff back. Um, and and I think that rings true whether we're talking about football, like we, we usually do on this podcast, or uh, or some of the other things about being a Georgia Tech guy or uh, or a student or a fan that kind of make it matter at a at an extra level and i'm not going to say it just means more because i make that joke like every other podcast but you know i wouldn't blame you if you did make that joke but i i digress Um, speaking of things that make you a georgia tech guy uh you are a non-rev sports person and i did mention that there was volleyball on campus this weekend yes um there was uh it was Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, they were able to put about 120 people in the old gym over there on, uh, on Sixth and Fowler. Come on! Wow, yeah, I, I don't even. I wouldn't even call that Fifth and Fowler. That's like it's Sixth and Fowler. I said Sixth. Okay, close enough. Um, Boo! Know your addresses. Ah, gosh, parking lot and parking lot. Uh, anyway. Look good in the in the first sweep. We 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 did sweep Florida State twice, three zero three zero. Never was all that close. Um, we made a couple of key improvements from Miami. A uh, big one was seeing Aaron Moss and Kayla Kaiser up the middle in the front row. Um, the out pass to the six looked good too. Uh, getting some looks uh, from the from the right side. Grace Rigsby came in a couple times and she's a lefty and had a couple big swings. Um, I feel compelled to say that because I feel like we talk about our our starting six or seven uh, a lot, a lot, a lot, and they played the games we needed and expected them to play. Um, but but it was nice to see a couple of freshmen in there. Um, 
Grace Rigsby, who's been on the team a long time. Um, like I said, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that, that doesn't usually get a shout out. But I liked how the team looked, especially on Wednesday. Thursday, we kind of crushed them, but didn't look as good doing that, if that makes sense. Um, and so that was that was interesting. It seemed like they were trying to do new stuff um, or at least uh, work on some things. Uh, and uh, obviously there's execution to tighten up. But when you still sweep and still win by pretty decisive margins, I'll take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, Well, you got it twice last week, to be fair. True. And we'll get it twice more this week when they're up in uh, Winston-Salem for a doubleheader. Ooh, don't call your shot there, bud. I uh, I have had bad luck so far calling my shot with our pick, so I, I can't recommend that in good faith. You know, I uh, I uh, will leave the pick talking for uh, for later, but I will gloat about that in the background until we get there. <laughs> As is your right to do, apparently. Shall we get into what else happened around ACC football? Sure thing. There was supposed to be another word in that transition, and I forgot what I was going to say, but here we go anyway. Starting at noon. (laughs) Podcasting is a visual medium and an exact science. Thank you. Uh, Starting at noon on the ACC Network on Saturday, October 10th, NC State 38, Virginia 21. Um, I think this is one of those games that proves the ACC. You can take the Coastal out of the uh, equation, but you can't take the Coastal out of the ACC. Um, I'm still not that convinced that NC State is all that good, uh, maybe at my own danger. Uh, but Virginia certainly didn't look better um, this weekend. Yeah, and we'll see this in the next couple of results too, but the middle pack of the ACC is just this whole ball of meh? And and with a real emphasis on the question mark. It's kind of eating itself alive, actually. Uh, that's kind of an ACC tradition at this point, but it seems to be even worse this year, especially since, you know, they made the entire airplane out of the coastal here. Yeah, um, but... Uh... But I, I, I don't hate that. I think it's it's interesting and fun and nice not to be predictable. And I think that's kind of been a, a thing we can say about college football as a as a whole so far, even with only, what, like three quarters of it playing, three-fifths of it playing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Moving on, the Nooner on ABC. And speaking of entertaining games, this was a, this was a barn burner in Chapel Hill. Number 19, Virginia Tech, 45. Number eight, UNC 56. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Virginia Tech was still missing some of their players. Yep. I'm not yep, yep, sure yep. how important those players were, but maybe they'd have made a difference in an 11-point game. That was, you know, when, when you score 101 total, uh, 11 points isn't, nearly as much or it doesn't seem nearly as much as a you know 11 point 18 to 7 win or or however you would pull an 18 to 7 win off but you you know what i'm saying yeah Uh, this one was weird virginia tech like you said was missing 15 players i don't remember if they indicated they were defensive starters uh but 
considering UNC's offensive output in this game, they might have been. So, yeah. yeah. Um, there is a note that should probably be made about how VT kind of just quietly dropped their unavailability report with 20, 15 to 20 names on it, like 30 minutes before kickoff. Um, but that is just weirdly a fact of life now, and it's never going to not be weird. Yeah, I uh, I will say that I kind of noticed that their volleyball team had a lot of postponements too when I was digging around the schedule there earlier, uh, not to not to uh, bore anybody who has gotten their volleyball fill already, but I don't know. I don't think this is just a Virginia Tech football. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I had originally subscribed. It's like, oh, gosh, like, they need to get their stuff together. But I don't know what life is like in Blacksburg, but it's clearly – it's the, the ladies, the men, the coaches, the kids. It, that's not great. Yeah. Uh, we can only hope that the situation gets better there. Um, and I mean, only down 15 instead of like 25 last week. I mean, yeah, progress <laughs> in the right direction. Question mark emphasis on the question mark. Yeah. That's, all right. <laughs> that's about all I got on that. Yeah. Uh, the noon 30 on, I think this was on an RSN Duke 38 Qs 24. Uh, this one does not make our, Lost to Q's look particularly good. No, I'd say it makes it look particularly worse. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. A note on this one: Q's quarterback Tommy DeVito suffered what appears to be a broken ankle, um, and he will probably be out for the rest of the season. Um, so. You know, tough break for him, no pun intended. That was kind of a really bad pun now that I think about it. Uh, So we're going to roll right past it. 4 p.m. on the ACC Network. (laughs) Pittsburgh 30, Boston College 31. Jake, I want you to explain to the viewers, or viewers because podcasting is visual medium, how this game went to overtime and how it ended. Akshay, I don't get ACC Network on my TV here. Okay, I I will do it instead. Pittsburgh's kicker hit a 58-yard field goal to send this to overtime, tied at, what would that have been, uh, 24? Tied at 24. He then missed the extra point on the back end of a Pittsburgh touchdown in overtime for them to lose. That is the epitome of college kickers. You know, I would love to see Pittsburgh uh, miss a couple critical kicks against us for, you know, payback for 2015, 2016. I I feel like we're due at that point. Yeah, Chris Blewett didn't really blow it all that much versus us. Yeah, um, I I think they got some uh, bad Kenny Pickett in the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, if – uh, you and the rest of the writers' room's comments were to be believed, but uh, unfortunately, I could not view Kenny Pickett because you know, thanks. No ACC I, network housing, not having the ACC network. <laughs> yeah, ACC network still isn't in a lot of places. Um, that's a carriage contract dispute discussion to have another time. Anyway, 
the 7.30 on NBC, which is definitely a channel that you get, FSU 26, number 5, Notre Dame 42. Before you uh, speak so fast, they don't even give us ABC, so NBC may not be quite the lock you think it is. But, uh, Woof. you know, Florida State was close for what? quarter mate like they looked pretty okay for a quarter but in the end we got the result that i think everybody was more than certain happen would happen if anything i think florida state outperformed what i thought they would yeah um they started jordan Travis a quarterback instead of james blackman um he did pretty well uh you know despite the score line uh florida state kind of pulled a duke here when duke played at notre dame in the first game of the season Duke was able to hang with the Fighting Irish for about a quarter, quarter and a half, and then Notre Dame just kind of out-talented the bunch. Um, So this one's kind of a wash. But, yeah, I think Florida State at least is showing some signs of life. So there's that. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting how high they're still ranked in SP+. um, When I gave that a quick once-over. But... You know, the, the number, I guess the numbers don't lie, but the numbers certainly. The numbers are certainly not intuitive. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. The final game on the slate, uh, 730 on ABC. The marquee game that uh, Georgia Tech Louisville was actually a three hour preview show for. Uh, if you watched the latter, number seven, Miami, 17, number one, Clemson, 42. Yeah, um, I I thought Miami had more of a chance in this game. Um, Clemson made them look silly. Yep. Uh, that may – I guess Clemson still has Notre Dame on their schedule, but that may be the, the toughest team they play from here until the playoff. <laughs> Playoffs? You kidding me? Uh, you know – Jim Mora impressions aside, you're probably right. Um, Notre Dame is number four now, so there is that. So that will probably get game day, whatever that one is, and that one's late in the season. Uh, But you're also hoping for both teams not to drop a game in the middle there. Um, The thing is, I think, if anything, this game, even though the scoreline says otherwise, this game did reveal a couple holes. Uh, in Clemson, um, especially because Miami's defense, despite the scoreline, again, they did a pretty good job up front. Um, Travis yeah. Etienne still bowled him over, but he bowled him over when he was able to get to the edge. Um, and Miami's secondary got burned over the top a couple times. But they were still getting pretty good pressure. I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence get socked right right in the chest, and had, he had to come out for a couple plays. Um, just because of how much pressure they were generating. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on as we move forward for, for Clemson. Um, how much can how much push can defenses get on that relatively young, if I remember correctly, offensive line for the Tigers? Yeah. Um, I will say uh, Trevor Lawrence did have to come out for uh, some series later in the game, but that was not because of uh, pressure or injury. Um, well, it was really the lack of pressure from the opponent. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. <laughs> All right, that that kind of wraps up the ACC slate. Let us actually get to the main point of business today. 
Georgia Tech's, what is this, a 19-point victory over Louisville on Friday night. Uh, this was a stormy one. It was the first bad weather game at Bobby Dodd Stadium since around the Duke game in 2014. So it's been the better part of six years. Uh, but I, I did know that the rain held off for most of the time, I think, right? You were sitting in the in the upper deck, so uh, I, I guess you can down, give us. I was going to say I was actually down below. Um, so I was, oh, I was fancy. Yeah, well, free. Somebody's giving me a ticket for free. I'm taking. Um, but uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, no, though this was not the first game that I've experienced as a Georgia Tech fan. In a pouring rainstorm slash hurricane, uh, twenty seventeen Clemson. Thanks Yikes. me. Um, that was that was that one was worse. <laughs> oh, that one was definitely worse. I was that not one, there, but I watched that on TV, and that was definitely worse. There's one of my favorite pictures in the uh, the Getty USA Today uh, image database we can pull from for from the rumble seat is a very very soaked uh, Jake in his old rec club jacket, looking very sad uh, up behind the band. Uh, they got just a crowd shot. But um, womp, womp. Anyway, um, a much more lighthearted and much lighter rain this uh, this past weekend. I wouldn't say it was dry most of the time. Uh, I was talking to my brother um, like a little bit during the game and then after, and he said he thought it was dry the whole time. Yeah, no. the, the broadcast made it look like it was dry no. uh, a lot <laughs> of the time. Uh, but clearly the weather did have an effect on Louisville who really put the ball down in this game. Yeah. Um, the send tweet, send tweet, the turnovers, uh, of which there probably could have been another one or two of them, um, on top of the three they had were definitely, I, I wouldn't say they were definitely correlated to the rain. Um, I think that was also just opportunistic once we realized that we could go for, for a swipe and, 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 you know, have an effect on them. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of at will, it seemed like. Um, yeah. But, uh, but no, the rain the rain held off enough that I wouldn't call it like steady or or like a downpour or anything like that. But it it, it was definitely uh, an an ongoing part of the night. I'll I'll say it was an it was a factor. Yeah. Um, just to sort of give a couple more high level details about the game, Louisville took a twenty one seven lead. I want to say it was towards the middle of the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, and then Tech sort of blazed past them 39-6 the rest of the way, including a 20-0 fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, there was a resurrection of the Philly special from uh, Amory and Brown to Malachi Carter for the first Georgia Tech touchdown. Um, notab- other notable play, Tech called a very conspicuous pop pass for a two-point conversion uh, on, I think it was one of the first couple touchdowns that was very, very close to getting picked off, and it was not particularly fun to watch. It looked like that uh, gif of old-timey football that was floating around. It was like a touchdown throw from like the 1920s uh, on Twitter uh, earlier in the day. So that was not a good thing to... uh, to be looking like, I will say. Uh, and then the final note, before I let you talk a little bit about how the stadium atmosphere was, because obviously I was watching from my couch at home, ESPN made the very curious decision to uh, have 
the sideline reporter for the Miami Clemson game talk about said game for about 15 minutes at the beginning of the second quarter of this game. Did they mention anything in the background? Uh, excuse me. Did they mention anything about what was going on in the background uh, of our game during this little 15-minute period? No, not at all. The Miami-Clemson game was treated as the primary objective. It was not fun, and I hope ESPN never does that again. Jake, please tell me about the stadium atmosphere to make me feel a little bit better about that sort of, uh, you know, expletive display that I listened to. Well, uh, that was the fortunate thing about being soaked to the bone and uh, and, and very cold. Um was that I didn't have to listen to that, so I guess I'm winning. Um, anyways, stadium, I, I noted after the UCF game uh, three editions ago that the, the paint looked great and uh, and just seemed like a little money went a long way. Um, but under the lights, oh, man. Whatever they spent on those LED rapid turn-on, rapid turn-off lighting system, worth every cent like i don't know if it affected the players as much as it did me but like that got me more into the game i thought that was a really cool effect um and you know that it, it's something you can't really appreciate if it's not well dark outside um the backlit lighting above the end zone looked fantastic too um very very intimidating very sleek they finally got the rambling light show to work uh, another thing that worked a lot better in the darkness than it did at <laughs> 3.30 p.m. Uh, against the Citronauts. Um, gosh, uh, trying to think what else. Oh, they did a, a trivia thing where they gave away uh, two or three. Well, I know it wasn't four because I got fourth. Um, womp womp. Gift cards, um, $50 gift cards for, you know, 10 tech trivia questions. I thought that was a great little thing to get people engaged and, and, and stuff like that with their with the app. Um, they really did a good job on their new, their new tech stuff. And, um, in general, I love the, like the Atlanta street overlay or underlay that they put behind the GT. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, it depends where. Like on, you know, graphics and. Oh, oh, on the graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I wasn't even going to talk about this right now. Can we talk about that Tashard choice? Like 90 second long mini movie yeah. call to action. I wouldn't even call it a hype video. That was like a creed. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I watched that after you, you posted on Twitter the other day or, yeah. or after the game. It was, uh, it was good. It was really good stuff from the, from the video team. Yeah. Uh, especially get, I mean, I think both of us are suckers for anything with the wreck in it, <laughs> um, which is, you know, a, not necessarily a failing of ours, but it's definitely a weakness. Um, but it was very well done. Um, choice is probably the second choice behind uh, Demo to do those kinds of voiceovers, just because of the energy that he brings, uh, and sort of the just the hype factor that hype factor, excuse me, that he he generates. Um, I don't know, you know? If he's choice number two anymore. They they've been using him a lot, and he's been do, he's been doing that pretty well. I don't know what's up with Demo. I shouldn't even speak on that. I Demo, if you listen to this, have a great day. I hope you're well. Um. <laughs> It's probably it's probably something you know COVID related. They can't get a room or something. So yeah, um, it's 
it's not worth spec. It's not worth, or not worth is not the right choice of words. It's not something that we can speculate about. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think to lead the article that this gets uh, posted to the site with, I'll send you, uh, they, they distributed three or four of the stills back to the club. Um, nice. The, the wreck in front of the stadium, wreck in front of Mercedes Benz, wreck, uh, on as long as it's uh, HD, I will take it and I will, uh, do some, do some, you know, phone backgrounds. And yeah. I, I, backgrounds. Finally doing like putting their money where their mouth is with branding, marketing, ideation, uh, type stuff. And it's really paying off. I, I think, I mean, obviously I live in a very tech connected circle. Um, so who knows if it has an effect on random kids in the school or random potential sidewalk fans or anything like that. But, um, no, the stadium felt decently loud. Um, a couple front row types not in masks was disappointing. Um, just do your part, guys. Like it's it's not that hard. Uh, but they had dedicated mask watchers in addition to the security team, which which kills me. It that's just like I there's like a level of absurdity to this whole situation <laughs> to the point where we have mask watchers. I I realize it's necessary, but I just can't get over like how funny the mental image is of someone coming up to you and or, or someone coming like watching some someone in security go up to someone in the front row and yelling at them to put their mask on. Yeah, um it was definitely interesting. Saw my first um student underage attempting to buy alcohol get booted from the stadium. Um he was very upset. Um oh, womp, womp. and the last observation from uh stadium look and and atmosphere and stuff was the uh the turf in the rain at the end of the game that is beat especially you know the lines aren't sewn in or anything like that um i didn't i'm not sure how it came across on tv but it, it was pretty washed out at the end but then I, again that's what happened. i did not really notice it I, maybe it's because i have a bad habit of like not looking away from where the ball is but i did not really notice the field conditions yeah. i think it was worse once the teams left the sideline because you know they stand on the sideline and that kind of comes up fast and that's where it's most mm-hmm. painted um i thought my I, I was very amused as soon as i saw how hard the rain was coming down i was like just wait for the first uh Louisville player in an all-white jersey to slide into the end zone and then they're just going to be gold or navy for the rest of the night um but, yeah, no, there were there were a couple that were definitely covered in paint. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I did notice that. Yeah, that's that's what I got. I could probably vamp forever on that, but I don't want to take away from the, you know, actual football part of the podcast. Actual, you know, the, as we are a football podcast. For us, you, you know, that's what I'm here for. My football expertise on strategy and stats and uh, scheming. So I'm sure you you want to go ahead and tell us how the offense did on Friday night. Oh yeah, number numbers go yes. Um Jameer Gibbs good. Jeff Sims better. They didn't give the ball away. There you go. That's They that's didn't put cool. the ball down, Jake. Oh, yes, sorry. Um they used Come on, use the effort. use the no nomenclature. Yes. Um they really 404 to the culture. Am I doing it right? <laughs> Jokes aside, he's not wrong. <laughs> um Offensively, I think I think this team did pretty well on the on the offensive side of the ball. Wait, um, wait, wait. we saw interrupt you right there. You're gonna see them almost doubling up any other high point totals under this offensive scheme and this coach, and say they did pretty well. 
hey, hey, you know, I temper expectations. I think we've all learned after the FSU game, which we all thought was a massive upset that ended up not really being that much of a massive upset considering where FSU currently sits. I'm, it's I'm it's all about managing expectations and giving credit where it's due. Let let Jeff and Dave Patnode and whoever dunk on them just for this one week. They looked smart. They didn't look great, but like, you know, I, I'm going to use positive adjectives because I don't do that enough. So <laughs> mental health benefits. Great. Okay. All right. So let, credit where credit is due. They they had a very they had a very good offensive game plan. How about that? Good. I like that. Okay. Here's the other foot coming down. <laughs> uh Sims was good, like I said, but he wasn't great. I think he still had some accuracy and decision making issues, but the dude threw some great passes in this game and he very much so improved his efficiency, and his execution. Um, ESPN had him at an 88.9 QBR, which is, I mean, it's out of 100, so that's very good. Um, and you saw you saw some progression. You, you did see some growth. He, had, he was still composed in the pocket. He was able to step up effectively, even when the pocket was collapsing and Louisville was bringing pressure. And part of that is also due to, you know, the, the growth of the offensive line. And, and those guys holding back Louisville's defensive front, even when they were trying to bring pressure and force, uh, and force him into bad decisions. Obviously, we talked about earlier that there was a pop pass play call for that was very close to getting picked. There were moments like that throughout the night where Sims, they, he, threw, he threw some lame duck passes. He... You know, he made some poor decisions here and there, like I said. But by and large, from the quarterback position, this was a good performance. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. So just to build on top of that, I I think one of the reasons why this was such a successful quarterback performance is that he has such a, a, a quality supporting cast or he has a quality supporting cast, especially at the running back position. And we were talking about this in the writer's room uh, after the game, that you could argue that the Georgia Tech running back room is one of the deepest, if not the deepest, in the conference. And, and I, would, I, I think I, I would absolutely make that case at this stage. Yeah, I... Uh... I would call it an embarrassment of riches. Like, yes. like Smith is what the fourth string running back, and he's making people look silly. Like, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't deny that having such a competent running game rises the tide on uh, on the pass. Right? If they sell out to stop the run, it makes you know Sims' life a little bit easier if he's trying to take a pass. Um, it Jameer Gibbs is a great um, like safety blanket, uh, even mm-hmm. in the passing game, too. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think one of the comments that we had coming out of the writer's room was that Gibbs is sort of a mini Alvin Kamara. Um, obviously, as, a Fal- as the Falcons fan that I am, I can't you know, condone the usage of Alvin Kamara uh, 
and his current employer. But Gibbs plays that role for this team where he's he's always available on those angle or wheel routes uh, in the flat as that safety valve, like you said. And he's also shifty. He's also very athletic. Um, we saw that on the touchdown, on the on the 21-yard touchdown that he had. He just yeah. jumped over a guy. <laughs> <laughs> he caught that pa- he caught that pass probably like five or six yards from uh five or six yards from the line of scrimmage and just basically like ran it in himself, hurtling over a defender and breaking a couple of tackles along the way. I, I got two comments. Dear listener, if you have not seen that play, go out there and watch it. I'm sure it's on ACC Network's YouTube channel. Just on the highlights go- package. Do, do yourself a favor. Um, that was beautiful, and uh, it should be uh, should be celebrated. Second, there there there's much ado made about the uh, Jeff Sims touchdown arms up already uh, before Jameer Gibbs scored a touchdown against UCF, um, which was hilarious and excellent. But I think even more so, uh, the the Jameer Gibbs hurdle touchdown. Uh, especially the the image of that is a picture that will define for better or worse uh, this this season this day and age I don't know if that's a good connotation a bad oh look this was their peak connotation or or, or what but I, I think for better or for worse he just uh, he just etched his name into a picture that's gonna, with a picture that's going to last um, to uh, I don't know how long but. At least quite some time. Oh, I'm I'm definitely gonna go back and find that picture for a phone background because it was like the way, especially that the the tech camera guys captured it, and kudos to them yeah. for when they released the shots on on Instagram because they got all they got the whole process of landing in the end zone, and it is amazing. Danny um, did a uh, did a shot of it that I really liked. He always posts some good ones, and from all the sports too. So if if you uh, if you guys are into that, he's he's a good follow on Instagram. Yeah, and and I think another factor, like I was alluding to earlier, that the reason why Gibbs and Smith and Sims were pretty successful in this game is that the the offensive line play was pretty. I mean, it, it was decent. I, I wouldn't say it was very good. Um, obviously, you still had a lot of hands in in some space at times, and and the PFF grades um, we we saw earlier were okay. They weren't great, but they were okay. Um, but Louisville's havoc rate was only about five percent. They were not able to get a lot of stuff going against that offensive line, and. That is, you know, that that does speak to, like I'm saying, it speaks to the growth of the offense. It speaks to the growth of the team. Yeah, um, they were still relatively penalized as a unit, um, which, you know, they're they're young, new, whatever, not doing a lot of drills where they're up close to each other. I don't know what what the what the reason is, but in, in terms of execution, the execution was better. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the the line in the kick when we get to special teams. Oh yeah. That was the one blooper, but we will, (laughs) we will get to that just to finish up on the offense. um, We did have a couple quick three and outs, which uh, happened. in I think both of those happened at about a minute of game time each, which is not great when you're talking about a Louisville team that loves to eat up clock 
um, and honestly almost doubled up Georgia Tech in terms of time of possession. Um, I mean, but- that, that pace was snail's pace after watching, to some extent, in some parts of the game, Hughes, but UCF, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, Night especially compared day. to UCF. Night and day. Yeah, um, but the point I'm trying to make here is that despite that sort of, you know, the limited time of possession and some of the some of the miscues and, and stunted drives, Tech was still pretty effective overall moving the ball. Um, 49% success rate overall, um, so that's gaining uh, 50% of needed yards on first down, 70% on second down, and all of them on third and fourth. Um, they were actually had a 54% success rate throwing the ball and the 45% rushing the ball, which are awesome. Uh, especially the passing number. Like that is something that we definitely want to continue seeing. And they also scored on all seven drives that they had that drove inside the opponent 40, which is also something awesome to see, especially since the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how the red zone execution was, was poor. Yeah, that's an understatement, but yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I said this on Twitter because I was live tweeting the game, but overall, especially from the offense, this was a gutsy performance from a young team. Um, they maintained their composure and they executed well. That's really the rub of it. Yep, I agree. Sorry, mid-yawn. Long weekend. God, Jake is already getting tired of me reading out numbers, so we'll... We'll run through the the defense here. I, I think this is where we saw some uh, where where we saw some more growth is needed. Um, that was a poor way of phrasing that, but you kind of get where I'm going with this. Um, there was a pass rush, a pass rush, and it made uh, Mikhail. I don't I don't really know what his name is in this game. Like he's used so many. We've talked about this last week. It made it's Cunningham really very uncomfortable. Terrible. I think we might be terrible. Like, oops. <laughs> be terrible by not calling him his right name? Gosh. Yeah. What unreasonable expectations. I mean, okay, to be fair, he's used like three different ones in the Has last he? two years. Has he? Yes. I'm not kidding. I like, I just, I, I forgot about him after the 2018 game and like, now I'm confused. <laughs> so it's, he's used Mikhail. Um, and then Malik, and really? then yeah, okay. It's either Mikhail or Malik, but it's changed like a multiple times. I don't think that's how names work. <laughs> okay, but it's 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 on the the roster list or the pronunciation guide or whatever they send out to the to the media. Oh, anyway, this is this is irrelevant to the actual discussion at hand, which is the pass rush <laughs> made Cunningham uncomfortable because they were able to get a lot of pressure on him. But then he would bounce out of the pocket and find 15 yards of open field, which is a like it was sort of a mixture of a, of a couple things. I saw a couple guys on Twitter noting that Tech overcommitted on the blitz and they'd leave that center of the field open. But even when they had a, a linebacker in that area spying, um, it, sometimes it was uh, David Curry and a couple other times it was Tariq Carpenter. Um, they still had some con- some trouble with contain, um, and and Cunningham he he had fourteen rushes for fifty yards. It, it doesn't sound like a lot, but also two of those rushes were touchdowns. So they're they're coming, they're like some of these runs, this these scrambles are given up in key areas 
and he's just able to run into space and and score and and help his team out, which is not something obviously that you want to see from a defense. Yeah. Um, I I your your note here about the Curry Carpenter spy I think is important too because and we kind of got into this in the Slack, but what is it with mobile quarterbacks, dude? What? <laughs> yeah. This this team has had some ha- had some trouble defending mobile quarterbacks, and, and I don't know if it's um uh, a it, it does seem like a like a bit of a scheme thing, right? Because yeah. this team is the defense is very much so focused, like they say they are, on attacking, on bringing pressure, on playing press man coverage. Um, and sometimes you know if, if you're a good enough mobile quarterback, you're able to take advantage of that. Um, and and sort of move in the pocket, scramble, uh, find open receivers. Uh, it's especially if you if you have good scrambling ability, they're they're able to take advantage of that. And, and, and they did them. on money down a couple times. Okay, I said money down on, on uh, third and fourth down several times. You know that you're facing long, and it really opens up your options uh, in a box if if we can't. Yeah, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me to talk about um, how long the average uh, third and fourth down were for, for Louisville. But I just anecdotally, I do remember them being like frequently like third and seven, third and nine, third and 12. So the defense is doing work on those first two downs and getting getting Louisville off schedule. But then they have Cunningham uh, get uh, – get in a long scramble to get the first down. They have um, one of the touchdowns, I think, was on third third or fourth down, where they just sort of the they played cover two, splitting the safeties to either side of the field, and then the middle of the field was wide open for uh, Tutu Atwell to sort of find the pocket of space, catch the ball, and, and get into the end zone. So this is something that I, I think this is a definite – area of improvement right like i i think obviously the defense held when it counted and that should be absolutely applauded and we can go into the stats there but talking about that third down getting off the field sort of execution that is where i want to see some improvement uh later in the year for sure yeah choa would also like to see some improvement yeah but <laughs> has not made a lot choa has made I feel like less money than they expected off of that deal. <laughs> <laughs> They're picking their sponsorships based off of a uh, money potential. Now, I guess it is called money down. It but, is called money down. You know, um, in all, in all honesty, good cause. And I, I wanted to work that in because that was the, the theme for the game was the Cape day, which mm-hmm. they didn't do um, targeted towards helping children's hospitals, in Atlanta. So, so didn't want to not say that. Yeah. Uh, but but like I said, to sort of you know dovetail this into into compliments, as is the theme of today's episode, per your guidance, um, the defense clamped down in the fourth quarter. I, I looked at the stats. Louisville only had a success rate of twenty five percent. Late in the game, obviously you can also see that in the twenty to zero score margin just in that quarter. Yep. Uh, Jordan Dominic had one heck of a game all round. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Which it was really fun to see, and and Antonius Clayton as well got a lot of good pressure uh, on Cunningham. 
Um, and at the end of the day, like we led the show with, turnovers were the were the key difference. Uh, whether and and the aggressiveness with which Tech was trying to force those turnovers. There were three fumbles. All of them were definitely forced. It wasn't like Louisville was just letting go of the ball in wet conditions. It was absolutely forced fumbles where a defender ripped it out and you had another Tech defender fall on it. Uh, based on the numbers there, it was about a 10-point swing. It, so, I mean, obviously the margin here is 19 points, but still. Yeah. Um, I mean, 10 points out of 19 is, is a lot. Um, it's close. You're, you're in striking distance there. I, I would like to point on your uh, your defense clamping down in the fourth quarter comment with that. The offense can't have its 20-0 quarter and look as good as that does without the defense playing a great quarter themselves. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that was a great, like, uh, complimentary pairing there. Um, also, there's if you follow the ACC network, they were posting around a picture of Jeff uh, Jeff Sims with crossed arms and grinning. I think he should be grinning about the defense, too. You know, like they uh, – mm-hmm. obviously, he probably was. I'm not trying to describe that he wasn't. He's probably a wonderful person. I don't know him. Um, but uh, – but, but yeah, no, like that uh, when, when it's, it feels good to not be the ones putting the ball down or the ones putting the ball down, whatever that good connotation of that phrase is supposed to be. I think we did it. And I, I think, like I mentioned at the beginning of the game, our team kind of seized on that in in the rain and or Louisville not taking care of the ball, almost having another one of, uh, well, that wasn't really us putting pressure on, but fumbling out of the end zone, stuff like that. I, I, I think in general, you have to say at some point it's turnover luck and evening the score. And some point of it is, you know, turnover skill, whether that's taking care of the ball better on offense or being more opportunistic on defense, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things that we wanted to see, especially uh, I want to say it was in 2018 when we had Nate Woody as the defensive coordinator. Um, that's one of the things that we knew he brought to, to the defense. He had that, have a great emphasis that have a great mentality. Um, and yep. as the team has grown since then, obviously full respect to Nate Woody, he did a, a good job while he was here. Uh, but a, as we, as we progress since then, and as the staff has sort of been able, the new staff has been able to, you know, speak their truth to, and, and instill their, their scheme that that's where we're seeing the emphasis. We're seeing the emphasis in, in this sort of aggression. Yeah, I um, I think nobody embodied that quite as well as Malik Rivera did that season. Um, and, mm-hmm. and you can kind of channel that. I'm very uh, admirable of him uh, in terms of his academic and athletic careers. But I, I think if we can channel that, like opportunistic, but but not selling out just to get the, t- you know, like it was it was a good balance, and I, I think that's a good mentality to bring and. Uh, Clearly, something is ticking right in in or resonating with what uh, what the boys are being coached with now. So mm-hmm. it it does bear mentioning that obviously a lot of like some of this is gold tinted glasses, right? We're viewing the we're viewing the game uh, after the after the result has been decided after we've won, and and I do know after having live tweeted the game for from the rumble seat, there was a lot of consternation. Or as our friends at a split zone duo like to call it, Agita, over some of the defensive performance, especially 
as Louisville opened up that 21-7 lead. So uh, defense, the defense growing into the game and really clamping down that fourth quarter, it does, it does say a lot about the growth. Like, I, yeah. I, I think that that's the big thing about this game. Whatever you think of Louisville as a team, aside, this game showed a lot of growth for a young team. Yeah, uh, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, for the sake of touching on the fact that I also Googled Malik Rivera to, to you know, validate my hunch that I was talking about. Can we talk about how the man has 500 plus LinkedIn connections, is in San Francisco working for a bright and uh, well trajectoried energy company and has a very, very impressive like resume? Because I, I think that, that speaks a lot to like, you know, obviously different, different coaching regime, different defense coordinator and stuff like that. Like, okay. But he was also getting that? three degrees while he was here. Yeah. No, it was three degrees. Graduated early, like yeah, with the highest honors GPA and tutoring his fellow people during football season. Dang. That, that, that's I miss the guy. The I'm not going to lie. I miss the guy. They, what, we only had one year of this guy. But man, those those again, or or even like look at Tyler Davis going the other way. He made the most of his year here too. Like you you want to see people that are are successful and have good attitudes and and make you feel like one make you feel like their peer your peers and two proud to be their peers. I think that's great. You know. I, I, I must be in a great mood right now or something like that. Yes, you are. You're Sometimes very I'm pretty crabby about this, but like, nah, Georgia tech. We're cool. Let's, let's do more cool stuff. Uh, not speaking water. of not cool stuff, I just as water bottles, but <laughs> speaking of not cool stuff, just to, you know, have the other foot drop and wrap up our, our game recap did have the blocked extra point, And then we sort of stopped doing extra points altogether. Uh, I did take a look at the replay. It sort of looked like uh, Louisville's defender got a great jump over the line uh, and was able to get his hand on it. So I don't, I don't know if you can blame the kicker there, but it, yeah, that one's not great for the special teams, uh, special teams line, offensive line on that. Anyway, we that that's definitely another area of improvement. Uh, as we move forward. Yeah. Um, when I was looking back at the 2018 game to write the HTS piece, uh, I thought it was very uh, mildly amusing to go back and look and see us knock through. What was it? How many touchdowns we have nine, all of which we made every extra point and, and then a, a field goal, goal uh, yeah. by one uh, Mr. Wesley Wells, uh, who still has two years of NCAA eligibility left, but uh I, I will not speculate on what happened there because I don't know and I'm not the coach. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely uh, uh, you leave points on the table, right? And, and you don't want to leave points on the table in any aspect of the game. College kickers, dude. It, it just goes back to my, my hypothesis. Honestly, my uh, personal dogma that all kickers are head cases. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, uh, punting was good as always. Thank you, Presley Harvin. Uh, kickoff coverage was mostly good. I know we had the one long return for Louisville, uh, but we did have Jerry Howard make a crucial tackle to pin 
uh, Louisville inside the 10 on one. And then obviously you have the kick return uh, fumble on another one. So, you know, good returns there. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, returns were good. Before we move on uh, out of special teams, I would like to say that the punt that uh, skipped right to the goal line that they called the touchback definitely was not a touchback. Like, on, on no planet was it. I was standing right there. Uh, I went back and reread the rules. It was not a touchback, and they should have had the ball on the half-yard line. And I would like to shout out our special teams uh, because I feel like, you know, it dovetails well with me digging up in a good mood of the career of Wesley Wells. <laughs> they did good. I think they also got lucky a couple of times, um, especially on one. I think it was like the second Presley Harvin punt where it caromed towards the sideline, but then skipped along the sideline for an extra 15 yards uh, until it was down. So, you know, always pays to be lucky. I'm yeah. not going to complain about it. Is it better to be lucky than good? Uh, we leave that up to you. Especially in the turnover game, I'll, I will take some luck. Uh, definitely, it looks like turnovers E has, has kind of regressed to the mean. So, hopefully that continues. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Very long pause, Jake. Uh, moving on, just a couple of figures to wrap up. The game week win probability for this one was 76% for Georgia Tech. That comes along with a projected margin of victory of 13. So those turnovers, like we said, hurt Louisville quite a bit. Uh, S&P Plus updated this morning. Uh, Tech moved up to 48th overall, 74th offense, 35th defense, 72nd special teams. Uh, and our good friend slash mentor slash, you know, uh, I don't know, inspiration. I, I don't really know how you another noun to use. Uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN uh, named Georgia Tech one of the season's early volatility leaders because they've been bouncing between, let's see, 52, 38, 63. Uh, they were 53 last week, I think, and now 48. <laughs> We're bouncing in and up and down between the top 60 and 50. <laughs> you know, better better to be on the upswing than the downswing, but I'm sure this will continue as we inevitably get foiled and also surprised with the rest of the season. Yeah, there are still, how many games left? Six? Seven? Six. Uh, uh, seven, because we've played four. Right. It's an 11 game. It's a 10 plus one. Right. Speaking yeah. of one of those seven coming up uh, next week, Clemson, number one Clemson, comes to town as a nooner on ABC. Clemson's favored by 22 per SP plus. Vegas likes Clemson by 27. FPI likes Clemson with a 95% uh, chance of victory. I, I don't got much to say here. Do you? Just don't let any starters get injured, and maybe something will special will happen if we're very, very lucky. But, uh, yeah, no, ABC better bring a dang Skycam because I was very disappointed ESPN didn't give, give us one uh, 
one for the matchup. But you know what? I think that's that's about all I can say. <laughs> I, I have in our notes here that this is probably the, the Saturday to knock out some stuff on the honey-do list. And, yeah, I'm going to stand by that statement. Um, it's – I will probably watch it. It will probably not be enjoyable. And, you know, I, I'm saying that. Just to be truthful to you, the listener, it probably will not be a fun watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this will be the fifth Georgia Tech Clemson game I'll see in person. I would like it to be the first win, but if if it's not, you know, it, they're the number one team for a reason. SP Plus won't go down that much. That's the only ranking that matters I to me. I think FPI. Um, I think FPI gives us a little more of a chance than it did last year. I'm pretty sure they were favored with a 99% chance last year. So so you're saying there's a chance. Something, something. If you have a lane, you have a chance. Swimming, something, the end. Okay. Well, to, to make sure you don't go into a long swimming-related uh, analogy or metaphor – Let's close out with our picks for next week, shall we? I mean, are you sure you don't want to just become an ISL podcast? Because uh, we'd probably be the only people covering that. So, <laughs> hey, they get they get TV coverage. I think okay. they have a TV deal. Uh, you know, call me once they get an Atlanta team, and I'll, I'll think about it. Anyway, oh. Saturday, October seventeenth. Here's the slate. Noon on ACC Network Extra, which I also assume means your local RSN, Liberty at Syracuse. Oh, Lord. Am I going to really have to pick Liberty? I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to pick Liberty. I, I don't want to pick Liberty, but here we go. All right. I, I'm going to pick Cuse because uh, I know Liberty is favored, and I know Cuse is down a quarterback, but... You know, I'm going to stick to my guns here and pick Cuse. I hope you're right. For our sake, I hope you're right. (laughs) The Nooner on ACC Network, Pittsburgh at number 13, Miami. Also, how did Miami only drop six slots for getting, you know, nuked from orbit by Clemson? Because it's Clemson and uh, not a lot of of other teams are playing, I guess. I don't know. The poll is arbitrary and weird anyway. Uh, I don't know, honestly. Uh, I think I might go. Okay, I'll go Miami. Yeah, I don't I'm think Miami too. If it was in Pittsburgh, I would circle this as the annual firing of the Pitt super weapon. Um, but, uh, but nah. It, yeah, and team also, team also you got bad Kenny Pickett over. last week. Yeah. Plus, Kenny Pickett is possibly injured. I think that's why we got bad Kenny Pickett last week. So Miami, give me Miami. All right, so our game is on ABC. Uh, The 2.30 on NBC, Louisville goes to South Bend to play number four Notre Dame. Yeah, um, I don't know if we'll get quite the late – off the rails performance from Louisville again next week, but I do think Notre Dame is a better team than us. So, uh, you give me Notre Dame, <laughs> give me Notre Dame too. 
Uh, all right. 3.30 on ACC Network Extra, Duke at NC State. I think this is the one where we're going to differ because both of these teams have had weird results recently. Duke is coming off of a, a win versus Cuse, and NC State, I think, is also coming off over a couple wins. So yeah. I, uh, I will take – give me NC State. Okay, just to be a contrarian, I'm going to pick Duke. I yeah. think this is going to be a close one, though. Yeah. Um, plus, I have some uh, some leeway before you catch up to me in the uh, in the poll uh, in the pick numbers. Uh, we can yes, because there. you know the points matter in our in our picking contest. We should really have some sort of belt for the winner at some <laughs> point. I mean, if you want to do that, go right ahead. Uh, you know. We'll we'll see. We'll, we'll workshop it. The 4 p.m. on ACC Network, UVA goes to Winston-Salem to play Wake Forest. I have zero idea what to think of this game, and I'm just going to shoot fish at a barrel here and pick Wake Forest. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go Virginia. I, I don't think Wake is any good, frankly, so that seems pretty cut and dry. I haven't seen Wake Forest play since they played NC State a couple weeks ago, so I really have no idea. Fair enough. All right, the 7 p.m. on ESPN, number five, UNC at Florida State. This one is easy. Give me UNC and all of the points you have to spare. Uh, That's top five UNC to you? I said number five. Yeah, I said top five UNC. I hear they have a you know an up and coming coach that maybe someone at Texas should give a call to. Mac is back, I guess. Also, 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 can we talk about how the AP poll three of the top five is the ACC? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. The West Coast is not playing, and the Big Ten hasn't played a game yet. Yes, yes, it is. But would the would the Pac-12 be this high up the polls normally? Probably not. <laughs> Ooh, and and that, without the Big Ten having played yet, you know they haven't had opportunities to lose yet. And North North Carolina has not yet lost, and frankly, neither has Notre Dame, and we can claim them this year. So. Well, technically, they're giving us their TV money this year. So, yeah, we can absolutely claim them. Yeah. So, I, I guess it just means even, even more in the ACC. I, you know, I, I wish I had a joke for this involving the ACC acronym, but I can't think of one right now. Absolutely crazy conference. I don't know. That was so lame. You know, that's what we're going with. Uh, on the absolutely... <laughs> On the absolutely crazy conference network at 8 p.m. <laughs> Boston College at number 23, Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech should win this game. But, you know, this is the absolutely crazy conference, so I really don't know what to think. It's in, it's in Blacksburg, if that is a place that is safe for people from Massachusetts to go to right now. Mm. Um, we'll find out. I'll take uh, number 23, Virginia Tech. I will take Boston College because uh, Phil Dracovic 
might actually be a very good ACC quarterback. I should have ridden the hot hand of BC. Mm, I might regret that, but we'll see. I don't know. Considering my record, you might not regret that. That is also accurate. Okay, that is about it for the Saturday slate. Uh, any other items you want to discuss before we head out of here? Um, I can't think of anything. We might have some other non-rev updates to come next week. I talked about getting stuck in an elevator, and we shilled for the rec club for homecoming. What else is there to uh, to enjoy? You know, we did our usual bits, and that's all you can ask for. 2020, you're welcome. 2020, things never change. Other than uh, the only thing I have to add is, uh, you know, maybe the Braves can make, you know, this week much more special in Atlanta sports. Hopefully. Not, I'm not holding my breath, but hopefully. Anyway. I a lot with them too, so I guess guess we're all in the same boat. Um, Keep an eye out this coming week uh, with Georgia Tech having won twice. Hopefully they'll – Go up in the polls from number 13, by the way. I, I did forget that. That uh, would be about volleyball. Yes. To clarify. Context. Context. Woo. <laughs> Context is for kings. Uh, this is America. We don't have those here. Kings. All right. All right. We will see you all next week, everyone. Oh, so-